you have to say your wants and your dreams out loud. Like you said earlier in the show, no one can read your mind. Um, I think you have to own, you know, I am a stand-up comedian. I am an improviser in Chicago. I am a director, freelance director or not. I mean, you can still say those words out loud and people will believe you and you will start believing it too. Um, So just owning that. And then what's great now with all this technology and, I mean, we can make our own web series. We can make our own podcasts. You know, we can make our own everything. Welcome to Scratch Your Own Itch Podcast. The show about the things we think about, but don't ever talk about. My name's Logan Tyler Nelson, and I'm your host. These conversations are about creating a life worth living with a focus on sharing stories about battles in our heads. Topics range from depression, addiction, self-doubt, past traumas, and everyday compulsive thinking. And my hope is that this show will just shed some light on anyone in the dark that feels like they're alone in their daily struggles. Please take note that this show is not meant to be a replacement for a professional diagnosis or professional therapy. I am not a counselor or a therapist. Hey guys, oh, so I have this amazing guest on today. Um, I have a guest that has made a huge, huge, huge impact on my own life while I was training at Improv Olympics, the world-renowned training center for improvisational comedy. Uh, Her name is Casey Whitaker. Casey is the opposite of all things that relate to hate. She has a huge heart, so it's no wonder why she has achieved all the success that she has in her art. But don't take my word for it. Casey is a seasoned stand-up comic, sketch comedy artist, and improv performer. Hailing from Beaver Creek, Ohio, Casey now resides in Chicago, where she trained with Second City in I.O. Chicago, as I mentioned before. Casey has toured with Second City for the last four years and just finished premiering for her full-length play that she wrote and directed as part of the the Artist in Residency series at St. Mary's College. When she's not at stage at Second City, Casey can be seen at I.O. Performing, The Paper Machete, and Zany's Chicago. In addition to her work as a performer, Casey is a freelance comedy writer for the card game Utter Nonsense, which is an inappropriate accent game. You might also catch her on a TV in a Big Lots commercial. So, why is Casey joining us today? Well, because Casey has had her fair share of depressive struggles, extreme hardship, and experiences of adversity. Today, we're going to delve into her story, and my hope is to make someone feel a little less alone, as well as discuss how improv comedy can actually unleash your creativity, tap into your authenticity, and prevent you from feeling weird because you feel different. Well, we all stumble on life, and we all stumble on words, just like I stumbled on a couple of those words. So... (laughs) 
hopefully you guys don't feel different just by, uh, you know, everyone, everyone's imperfectly perfect. But without further ado, I would like to introduce you all to Casey Whitaker. Hey, Casey. Thank you so much hey, for being on. Hey, what's up? Hey, thank you so much for being on Scratch Your Own Itch. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so, how are you doing? I'm good. Good, good, good. Uh, so, thank you. I, I just, I, I would like to, I guess, uh, start off this conversation um, so people can kind of get a sense of who you are. And I'd like to talk about, you know, that subject that everyone loves to talk about, trauma. <laughs> Um, you know, not to make light of it, but I do think it would be helpful for the listeners to get a sense of, uh, why you are the way you are and an advocate of, of mental health awareness. And so do you mind sharing with us the story about when you were harassed and what ultimately led you to seek counseling because of the psychological scars that it left in your personal life? Yeah. Oh, uh, So I think the most traumatic moment for me so far was about two years ago. um, I was in Chicago at my apartment um, and a man broke into my apartment while I was sleeping and actually came into my room. Um, And... Luckily, my boyfriend was staying the night and he was there to fight the guy off. Um, hey, K- Casey, sorry, sorry to interrupt. There's like some yeah. scratching. I know oh. the show is called Scratch Your Own Itch, but <laughs> there's like scratching while you're talking. Just like, you know. okay, let me, I'll take the case away. How's that? Okay. Is that better? Go for it. We may find out soon. Okay. So this man broke into my apartment. My roommate was gone. He actually had come through her window um, from the back porch of the apartment. And then very quietly walked through the whole place and opened my bedroom door. So... Uh, I I want to unpack this. So a few different things are were very traumatic for me for this. Obviously, somebody entering your space without consent was hard to get over. I mean, I didn't sleep well for almost a year. I kind of wake up every night at 4 a.m. or the time that it had happened and stare at my front my bedroom door. Um, the way that it was handled inside the Chicago Cook County justice system was upsetting. Um, the cops took 30 minutes to show up after I called 911, after the guy came back a second time and my boyfriend had to remove him twice in one night. Uh, the first thing that they said to me was I needed to lock my door. It was my fault because I didn't lock my door. Now, all the doors were locked. This person had been watching and had seen two 20-year-old girls move into our room, our apartment, 
and he had seen that there wasn't bars on my roommate's window. So he came through a window that didn't have bars on it. It wasn't an unlocked door. But immediately, that's what the cops said to me. Um, from going all the way to, you can't file for a warrant in Chicago on the weekend. So on Friday and Saturday and Sunday, where probably the most crime happens, you can't file. So on Monday morning, me and my roommate at the time, we go to get my warrant filed. And I'm walking into the ugliest building on earth, um, the courthouse on Western and Belmont. And um, every single person in this warrant office waiting room is a woman. And every single person is filing against a man. And as if you were at the doctor's office and you had to tell the doctor what was wrong with you in front of strangers that were also having appointments you had to tell your story you didn't go to an office you just sat there in front of the other 20 women and you had to say what happened to you uh to this warrant officer who then decided you know if it was bad enough to pursue for them um i i just i think i've been i'm a sheltered midwestern white girl from Ohio. And I don't think I ever fully opened my eyes to how, how uh, our country just doesn't value women, no matter what color we are or what we do. It just, it was a little eye opening, I think. And it kind of popped my little sheltered bubble to realize that we're just not valued. And that kind of added to the trauma of the actual incident was how hard it was to get help from the law. Um, and then we, I showed up to court because if you don't show up to your hearing, then the guy gets off automatically. And the first couple of times he didn't show. And then he finally showed with a lawyer and just the trauma of sitting in the courtroom and seeing that person um, wasn't easy. But at the same time, I couldn't not show up for myself and for the next girl that he broke into her apartment, you know. So that part was also not fun. Like when you get there, it's like criminals go through this door. Witnesses go through this door. But then once you get inside, it's church pews and you sit next to either your attacker or somebody else's. And it's, yeah. And then uh, like before at the warrant office, they read the cases and they hear all the cases in front of everyone who has an appointment that day. So you just, you just hear you know, other traumatic stories, and then you have to share your own. And that whole, th yeah, the whole justice system was hard. I mean, you know, I had a state's attorney since um, I was the person filing the charges. Um, but I think I went through three or four state's attorneys. They kept passing me around. Uh, at first, I had like a woman who I think understood, but then 
by the time we actually finished, I had some male state's attorney who asked me because the guy's lawyer asked if we could just drop all charges and he could see a therapist. And I was like, no, that's not a good enough. What? I mean, it's so hard, though, because you can't prove intent, right? I can't prove that this guy was attempting to rape me. I can trust my gut and I know the facts. I know that he lived in the apartment building and had watched us move in. Um, but I can't. He didn't steal anything. He didn't break anything. He quietly sneaked through a storm window, a regular window, a screen, through all of my roommate's antique bottles that she had on her window seal. He tiptoed around her messy, messy room, knowing just where my bedroom door was. So he wasn't after my jewelry. And I, I do believe that in my heart. But you can't prove that, right? So. You can't, it's just, a, it's a tough, tough thing. And I'm, it's so hard to say you're lucky because it still changed my life forever. But I am lucky that I didn't become an actual full-on rape victim. Um, and then I'm blessed in a way because I got enough, I think I got a taste of the violation enough, whether it was a full-blown physical rape or not, to kind of understand um, how violated you feel. But clearly not as much as someone who really truly um, was assaulted in that way. But I think I did take away enough to wake up and decide to do something about this and to stop ignoring it like everyone else. Um, so yeah, the, that, that time was, that was a crazy experience. Um, I had, I had a therapist prior to the incident. Um, so I think I was able to recover as much as I could quicker knowing that I had a standing appointment. I think I doubled up on therapy for a while. Um, just to keep talking it out. Um, and then less than a year later, I ended up kind of taking this experience as kind of igniting this need for me to create art about this, um, and that's my play about violence against women, Lucky Liar Loser. Wow. 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 Thank you, Casey, for sharing that. Um, I, I'm kind of speechless at the moment because it is such a, like, a hard question to even ask. And, um, you know, like whether or not this guy should, should be put to to a psych ward or if uh -huh. he should be put in jail because it is it is such a like a fine line uh -huh. and uh and like you were saying like the system is just 
it's 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 flawed it's uh, unfortunately it's it's very flawed yeah so yeah he ended um, up getting we knocked it down to criminal trespassing um and he had a record like if if some if he got a speeding ticket or something it would for a year he was on probation but that didn't really mean anything besides if he broke the law within that year or maybe six months, I don't even think it was a year. Um, his name would come up on a, on a list, but it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, it was so tricky to, and then, you know, we are talking about mental health. I, I, of course there's this thought in my mind where I had to be like, well, maybe he is, mentally ill and I don't want to ruin his life by giving him this like criminal record. Right. You know, we always want to believe the best in people. Maybe this is the only time this has ever happened. And, you know, he is sorry, you know, and there is a part of me that just wanted to believe that, you you know, we all have good and bad in us. Um, but at the same time, I don't know those answers and I don't know for sure what his story is. And, I had to protect other women too by still showing up and still at least fighting for some sort of record of this because I mean we could go on all day about how people you know get violated and how most women don't even report it um and I've learned so much about even that how that is their choice and as an outsider we judge those women like ugh, well, I would have told someone and why did they not? And it's like, because that's the only time they get control because they got, they got something taken away from them and they can't ever get it back. And deciding when to say something about it is the only control they have. And so, yeah, it's just, it's very complicated (laughs) as far as, yeah, how to deal with it. And there's no roadmap. And that's the other part I learned. It was like, I somehow did what I thought was best for me and for other people maybe that this could happen to. But there is no booklet I can go by that says, if you've been violated, this is what you do. Like, no one knows and no one talks about it either. And the fact that it is one in three and... I don't know. I just, I encourage people as much as it would might be a little awkward, like talk to your sisters and your aunts and your moms and ask them if they've ever had something like this happen to them because chances are they have, and we just don't talk about it. And that's why it becomes more and more a thing that is taboo and unacceptable and hidden and and I, I just don't think it can be anymore because that's how our country is the way it is now. And that's why we have the president we have. And we, we got to talk about it. And if we're not ready, that's okay. But when you are ready, you have to do it. Well, the thing is, is, um, <laughs> um, I, in in a very weird way, talking about our traumas, our ADHD addictions, our negative thoughts, our suicidal thoughts, all those garbage mm-hmm. things, you never feel ready. Mm-hmm. It, it's just like it's just like 
It's just like those people that are like, hey, you never feel ready to have a child. You just have a child. And it's kind of like that, honestly, because it's just so big. But if you keep it in long, long enough, it just goes down the rabbit hole of becoming worse and worse Mm -hmm. and worse. So that's exactly that's exactly why I'm starting this show. And I thank you for sharing your emotions with me. I'm sharing my emotions right now because it is so hard for me to to carry on this this weight on my shoulders, knowing that there's so many people out there that have these problems right now, and they're just if if you don't even get like psychiatric counseling right away. Because I really don't promote it that much on this show because I don't think it's for everyone because everyone has their own path. Um, But at least talking about it is so, so, so helpful in the healing process. Like just getting it off your chest and just letting it out there and telling it like you're saying, you know, telling a friend, a sister. Yeah, writing it down and creating art with it. Even if you're not ready to say, this is what happened to me and verbatim, you know, you could still let those feelings maybe inspire some art that you would want to share. Yeah. We don't have to do all of this alone. Yeah. No, no. And no one can read your mind and no one knows what's going on in there. And the people that I actually find like really, 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 really uh, incredible and they're amazing often deal with the worst. Like they, they're the people that are going through all this stuff that they're not, uh, it's not that they're not brave enough to tell anybody this stuff. It's just that once they do, they know that it's out there in the ethos and someone can like use this against them. But oh, look uh, at I mean, I know for a fact, or, Casey. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Ugh, the stigma, you know, and that's again, that's how it is. I mean, even with all that stuff that went down in the community last year with everyone coming forward about teachers and sexual harassment in our theaters, you know, the, the baby boomer generation was like, oh yeah, that's how it always has been. And we got over it and we kept doing the work. And I think, and I hope that our generation might not think that that behavior is acceptable anymore. And even with the stigma and the hardship that will come, I think we might just talk about it anyway. And I think that's good because it's always been like this, but I think now people are finally starting to talk about it. Even, you know, even the stuff this week with Louis C.K. and and that's the thing too being a comedian and a performer you know you have to have a backstory and the more broken you are probably the more funnier you are because truth is comedy and you have more to bring to your improv characters into your sketch comedy and yeah it's such a fine line of like yeah, like how can I use comedy to heal or to share my raw emotion and be entertaining? And then how much of it am I using comedy to hide the hard stuff, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. I know. Um, actually, that's so true. I know a lot of a lot of people that are really, really great at comedy. Sadly, but it's the truth. Are the most um raw people just because they've been yeah, through it all? Like Robin Williams. Like they are just. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Robin Williams and um. And it hurts like a lot to know that they are. And I don't want to say they're broken, but I do want to say that they're, um, uh, they're just very, 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 uh, in touch with, with their sort of like, this is the only way for them to feel better. And so I kind of want to switch gears, I guess, into that, that route of like, you know, what is, for those that don't know, like what is improv comedy and what's the difference of improv comedy, which you see at like IO or second city. And then there's like probably some people that are like, but then there's also Saturday night live. Like, could you kind of discern that for people? Yeah. So improv, you know, is when we get a suggestion from the audience and make something up off the top of our heads, as opposed to sketch comedy where we have lines that we memorized and it's scripted. I think the differences in the theaters in Chicago, um, you know, Second City believes that all the best improv scenes should start with relationship first. Um, so you're forming a relationship with your scene partner and that's sort of the number one priority. Um, I think I owe is a little different in their philosophy. Um, maybe going for the joke a little bit more. Um, and then SNL, you know, is, is more of the scripted sketch, um, that I talked about earlier. Um, I mean, with improv, I think improv and I do stand up too. And I have the same feeling where it's like, you can play a persona. Like when I do my stand up, I have a dry one liner persona that's not quite Casey. It's more of a facet of me. Um, and in improv, I can put on a big zany character and I can become someone else, right? I don't have to be Casey all the time. But at the same time, when you're making up a character or a line of dialogue off the top of your head, you know, hoping that it's somehow humorous, that comedy is just so personal. Whether you're playing a character or a persona, it's still you. Like when I'm on stage, that's Casey doing improv and Casey doing stand up and and the things that I think is are funny and human, that's me. I think when we have a bad improv show it hurts so much more than when we have a bad play that flops. Cause it's like, Oh, well that was that playwright's words that I just said and people didn't like it. But when we do improv, God, if they, if we don't have a good show, which can happen a lot, it's like, Oh, like that's me doing what I think is funny. And that was part of me and my soul. And when that's not, if that doesn't go well, I think it's a whole different 
feeling. But at the same time, it's the reason we do it. Because if we can win as our true self, that spontaneous and that raw, I think you get a hundred billion more points because it's so brave to do. And you, you really don't know what the outcome will be. And that's so exciting and scary and comedy is failure. And it's so important to fall on your face. And it's so important to have those bad shows because it makes the best, the good ones great. And also it's like, Oh, well, okay. I'll do it again tomorrow. Oh, that's fine. You know, as long as you're still learning and having fun, it's okay to fall. You have to fall. If we try to do it right, we're never going to get those big highs or do something profound because we're so afraid that we're just going to play it safe. Hey, I just want to interrupt this show really quick. If this show is worth an hour of your time out of your day. First of all, thank you so, so, so much for taking the time to listen. And if you found it inspirational or valuable, please head over to LoganTylerNelson.com and leave a few dollars or whatever you find affordable to help this show reach a bigger platform. It takes a lot of time to put it together. It takes, unfortunately, dollars to make it happen. But all I'm trying to do is make people feel less alone and more comfortable with sharing the thoughts we all have and need to talk about more. Back to my interview. Yeah, that's the, that's, you said so much gold that I want to touch base on. Um, Just the first thing like that comes to my mind is like, Gosh, it is so hard to walk away feeling good from a failed improv show. I mean, you, like I, even a failed play, it, it's hard. And I don't even know if it's like it's 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 really hard to even have a definition of what yeah. a failed play is in my mind now, just because like, um, you, for example, like a play that's that's often quiet, where the 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 audience is just quiet, like they might've just been thinking really deeply about it. And like, but in improv, it, like it's really odd, the kind of like right. city that we're in because the city of Chicago where it's like, if people aren't laughing, well, that's a huge indicator that it's just a, not a good show. But at the same time, if people aren't laughing, Chicago is a very like deep sort of city where mm-hmm. sometimes they're just thinking about stuff and they really don't, like I, I know for me, I kind of like lost my sort of like laugh brain when I was going through improv. I don't know if this happened to you at all, uh, but it, I, I kind of like lost my laugh brain, and I was kind of just analyzing the the show for itself because I was learning it. So like a lot of your a lot of your uh, audience members are just like so into learning about improv that they forget that it's supposed to be a show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, in Chicago, too, it's so saturated now. I mean, there's 10 million improv shows a night, so many different teams. It's like improv overload, I think. It's so important to go and see the vets do their thing. But I think it's so hard now 
for people to appreciate good improv because they can just go to the playground or the blah, blah, like they can go anywhere on any night of the week, whether they've had one year of training or not and put up their own show, which it's like, great. You know, we have to learn by doing class, three hours of class a week is not going to make you a good improviser. You have to go and do the hours and the reps. But now it's just like, there's so much happening that I think it's hard for us to be good audience members for our friends because we're off doing our own show. And it's at the same exact time as, you know, it's just, or you, you do like three shows a week and your class. And the last thing you want to go do is see a vet team. You know, it's just, there's, I think it's overwhelming sometimes especially in Chicago to like even know what's going to help you. <laughs> There's just so many options. It's like when people take three programs at once, it's like, I don't even know if I agree with that because how can you even absorb the one thing if you're really taking in and all when, those different when, philosophies at once? Or yeah, you're you're yeah. gonna lose your last brain because it's just so much. And then that's the argument too: is improv mm -hmm. a tool, or is it an art form on its own? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I per personally, I know that in my experience. Well, first of all, just to let people know that don't know. Uh, when she says three programs, she means Second City, Improv Olympics, and Annoyance, which are improv comedy schools that uh, are just different um, teachings of improv, you know. And so they all have their sort of thing, which Casey broke down a little bit for us earlier and was very helpful in that. And because a lot of people don't know uh, that com comedy is like, it's, it's, it's the best thing and the worst thing, I think, because... Especially in Chicago, where you said earlier that it's saturated. I don't think that it's the worst place to start out at because it's kind of like if you're a small fish in a big pond, you'll get really good just being around those people, like being around just like super talented people. But if you're not ready for it, like if you're not that person that can adapt to things quickly, like you can kind of feel ashamed really, really, really quickly about not being funny right away. So I kind of want to go into that sort of route is like, mm -hmm. what do you, what do you tell people that are starting out um, mm -hmm. that don't feel like this is their home yet? And, but they really want to do this improv thing because they believe strongly that it's inside of them. Yeah. First I would say, don't worry about being funny. That's the worst thing you can do is, put that pressure on yourself for class and for, you know, your bar prov or whatever is, yeah, don't worry so much about being funny. I mean, the funny will come naturally because you're a quirky, wonderful human who has a whole different life perspective and experience than anybody else. So you're, you are, needed there and you're valuable and you're important and your voice is your voice and don't worry so much about trying to be the funniest just really try to be yourself 
And that's when the natural comedic timing will come. Um, and then find your people. I mean, I started my own improv team called Wildcard from half the people from my conservatory class and then like a few people that I had seen at auditions that I just really thought were good. And I just went, walked up to them and asked them, I was like, will you, do you have an improv team? No. Will you be on mine? And then I made one just so that I could work with these people that I thought were so wonderful. And somehow they believed that I was good. And with that support system, I was able to settle in and get my reps and do my bar prov for two people and finish my classes and have a, a core group that wanted me to do improv with them. I mean, it's so funny to me now because if I go through the list of those people, Joey Scavuzzo is writing for The Good Wife and the startup um, spinoff show right now in L.A. Rachel LaForce was the one that I kept stalking at auditions. And I thought she was like this wonderful female powerhouse. And when I asked her if she had a team and she said no, I was so confused because I, I just thought she walked on water. And she still does. I mean, she moved to L.A. two years ago. She is going to be in a movie that comes out in February, a Whitney Cummings movie where her scene partner is Sophia Vergara. Like what? She's so funny and she's so talented. And Nick Paul, he's a comedic silent magician who has made a living traveling and performing comedic magic. And he's phenomenal. And he's really, really started, his career has really started to take off. And and Greg Worsley is like head of the IO commission now. And I mean, it's just so funny to me because we were all such little babies and we didn't know who we were or what we wanted to say. And we grew up together. And that group was the most important part of my training and my time in Chicago. Um, it wasn't actually getting paid to do it. It was, it was the growing pains and the doing two improv shows a night in January when there was three feet of snow and we would just pile into Rachel's car and get to the next venue. Like we, we were so hungry and we wanted it so badly, but at the, the heart of it though, we were just a bunch of people who enjoyed making art together so it might not feel like your people are out there and maybe you've taken a few classes and you're not seeing your Rachel LaForce yet but they are there and oh god I, I don't I'm so glad that I walked up to those people and just asked them like, I literally was like, oh, yeah, the team is rehearsing tomorrow at this time. And then I called Second City and asked for a room. Like, I had no plan. I just knew that I wanted to work with these people. And I don't know what possessed me to even ask. But they said yes, because that's what we do in improv. We say yes, and then we say yes and, and then all of a sudden 
you know, we're doing festivals and we're in Sketchfest. And then a few of us got hired from that. And, but that wasn't, it wasn't about that. It was just about a group of people just making art together. We weren't so worried about, you know, oh, is a producer going to see this show or, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was just like, that idea of being present, you know, like an improv and in a scene, the best scenes, you're not pre-planning. You're just saying what's on your mind. And I think you have to use your Chicago training time in that way of just be present and say yes to those things. And, you know, it might lead to something later on, but just be present and don't worry so much about, well, I'm this age and I've done this program, but I still haven't gotten a audition for this. It's like, let all of that BS go and just do it for you and for your friends and stop worrying so much about, you know, your five-year plan. Yeah, that's, that is so huge. And oh God, that's why I started this show is because like, if it itches, it's a curiosity that you have on your life. Like that is the direct Drano for depression or feeling alone or feeling like you have nobody to talk to is is if you just go with your intuition of uh, like I really want to be an artist or comedian and then you try it and then all of a sudden what happens maybe you're just not good at it that much and what I have said in a, a pre, you know previous shows and what I find myself saying a lot is like if you care about it enough if you're willing to suck at it so much but you care about it enough to where you'll do it every day then go for it and i don't think that um some people get like really obsessed with it at first and they they want to make they want to make money off of it right away uh-huh. or you know they want to uh they they feel like this is the truth of it it's that sort of imposter syndrome where it's hard to tell their friends and their family members around them that they're an actor or they're an actress uh-huh. or a writer or director because they don't make money off of that, but they really bring home the bacon with serving tables or mm-hmm. going at nine to five. And so with that being said, uh, what do you, what would you want to say to that person that is, is trying their art right now and they're not making money full time at it. And it's hard to even like go to family events and talk about their craft because, well, at the end of the day, what actually pays the bills is not their craft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, one of the lessons I learned right away was you have to say your wants and your dreams out loud. Like you said earlier in the show, no one can read your mind. Um, I think you have to own, you know, I am a stand-up comedian. I am an improviser in Chicago. I am a director freelance director or not, I mean, you can still say those words out loud and people will believe you and you will start believing it too. Um, So just owning that. And then what's great now with all this technology and I mean, we can make our own web series. We can make our own podcasts, you know, we can make our own everything. You know, we don't have to wait for somebody to tell us that we're good or that we can have a slot at this theater. 
I mean, we can write a one woman show or a one man show and there will be a theater that will have a space for us. So I think we have to stop making excuses about, you know, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm an imposter. It's like, no, if you make art and share it with people, then you are an improviser and you are a comedian. I mean, I don't think, yeah, the money thing, gosh, and it's not that much <laughs> either. Like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I had the nine to five and I was a server and, and then toured for so long. And it's like, gosh, I think I was more broke touring than I ever was with my other side jobs. I also think letting go of this idea that your path has to be a certain way. I would have never written for that card game or, you know, done this artist in residency if I had been so locked in on, I'm getting main stage or nothing. It's like, no, that wasn't my path. But my other paths were pretty fucking great. And I, I didn't even see them, but I stayed open enough. And then I found those things and like finding your true calling or when people say, oh, you can only pick one thing. So are you a writer or are you an actor? It's like, no, I'm a writer and I'm an actor. I don't have to choose. I mean, I think if you want to fo focus in on something and like get really like, oh, my improv isn't as strong as my writing right now. So I'm going to take an improv class. I think that's a great way to like decide what training you should do next. But I don't think you ever have to be like, I'm only a writer. I'll never be a performer. That's ridiculous. Until someone is paying you a lot, a lot, a lot for a book only, like you can do it all. You can still do it all. Don't pigeonhole yourself into one thing. Thank you for saying that. Uh, thank you so much. Because, yeah, your brain might just work in that, <laughs> you know, ADHD way. Uh, and I and I giggle at it because I don't think there's a single person out there that doesn't have ADHD that w doesn't want to like chase all the new shiny red balls and yeah. stuff like that. And and so test it out. And if it, I mean, I do believe there is a, a huge value though, and. And really going for it. And so that's why I'm going to ask this next question. It's just because I'm really curious. And uh, what is, why do you think some people have that clear vision of what they want? Like that clear vision of, of uh, you know, being on main stage or being mm -hmm. on Saturday Night Live. And then they all of a sudden, they start going for it and they lose their vision and they give up um, because other things just kind of happen, I guess. What do you what do you want to comment on that as far as like losing your vision of what you really want your artistry to become? I mean, I think the entertainment industry is one of the hardest industries to pursue. And, you know, when you go to an audition, especially like I remember my on camera agent audition and they asked me, why do you want to be an actor? Like, why do you want to? read a side about kitty litter and like, why, why are you here? And it's like, because there's nothing else that makes me as happy. And I think it has to be that answer. If you're doing anything in, in this industry, because if you, if you're also a really good accountant, like, eh, 
maybe <laughs> go do that because it's so tough and it's so hard and it's so demanding and negative. And every time you get to a different rock and you think you've accomplished something, there's still, there's always going to be 10 more steps. And, but I think that's also part of, especially comedy is that it is a process and you're never done. You know, even the most successful person can't, uh, Joan Rivers never was like, okay, fashion police. Okay. I'm done now. It's like, no, she still went and did regional theaters and like would still do brand new stand up and travel and stay at a motel eight. Like it's never done. I don't think a true artist is ever done. Um, so it's hard to think about somebody giving up or being upset because their path changed. It's like, that's all part of it. Um, and you, you're going to learn so much from those side paths and then maybe you'll stay on one, but I think it's passion has to drive you. I mean, I think that's true in any career. It is. It is so true. And it's really, and I'll, and I'll say this just only from experience at this, not that it's the all encompassing truth of everything, but, um, it's really exhausting pretending to be someone else. Mm-hmm. And you know, who you, you know who you are when I say that. Like, I know, I know who I am now when I say that. Like, it wasn't meant to be that I was going to do main stage and, um, it's really hard accepting that, but it was really exhausting trying so, so hard at, um, being great at this thing that, uh, I just knew that wasn't for me anymore. And to like, I think to know when to quit is a really good, um, skill to have too. And like you're saying, enter- the entertainment industry is the hardest. Yeah. I mean, and no, I don't know it is the like hardest. The word quit. I mean, for me, you know, I toured forever. I understudied main stage and ETC. I mean, in a way I could taste it or I could, it felt maybe close, but, and I don't think I ever gave up on it. I think, I think other things became more important to me. Um, I mean, if, if someone told me a year ago, like, okay, you can either keep waiting around Chicago to get main stage or you can use comedy and your true life experience to write a play about violence against women and change people's lives. I, I think I'd still want the one that I ended up with, you know? And for you too, I think this is your work and this is your purpose now. And yeah, I sometimes we, I think. Yeah, it's not always going to be the way we pictured it. But I don't think we ever gave up. You know, I think we just followed a different path. Yeah. No, I actually, thank you for saying that because I love the quote um, the work is never done, it's only abandoned. Like art mm-hmm. is the same, you know, it's never done, it's just abandoned. Mm-hmm. 
And you'll never feel like you're completely done with that play or you'll never feel like you're completely done rehearsing for it or completely done rehearsing or preparing for an improv show. Like we can do one more improv game, one more warm up game. Come on. And, and it's just the fact that you're not, it's just like life and any endeavor dream that you, uh, you know, try to adopt in your life. I think for certain that it's just a time to kind of let it go when you feel it that you need to let it go. And, um, and that's a great, that's why I love improv so much is because this is the philosophies that they have, like letting it go. Yes. And, um, finding that gain, that relationship. If you use those philosophies for life, like life just becomes, so even if you're not doing your art form, you're really always doing your art form just by operating in that capacity with life and that, uh, that lens. So, um, but Casey, I, unfortunately, we got like maybe 12, 15 minutes left. Um, I'd love to um, talk really quick about authenticity uh-huh. because I think it's an important subject of, of people. And I know it's a buzzword that's going around about authenticity and how to be true to yourself and stuff. But I'd like to really quickly like talk to uh, people about how you feel like you're truly yourself and authentic to the world while you're performing and how you kind of tap into that. I think comedy, like, so I just finished doing one of those ship contracts, right? We did, you know, 14 or 15 shows a week. You said, you said ship, ship, right? Ship, like cruise ship. It sounded like shit. shit. (laughs) I mean, same thing, I guess. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. And, you know, you, you do two or three shows a night and improv and sketch. And I think once I accepted who I was and like, maybe it's turning 30 and, you know, having some experience now knowing my favorite color and how I like my eggs. I mean, I find doing those shows was so much easier because I knew who I was now. Um, and with that also comes, whether you like it or not, a little bit. Like I, like you said earlier, it's so exhausting to try to be someone else. And it's so exhausting to try to be what you think the producers are looking for. Or be the, the you know, actor that they're going to want for the next stage. I'd rather just be myself. And I still have a lot of fun on stage, maybe more so just by owning what I do and what my voice is. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. That's, that's really huge. And I take a huge inhale and exhale as I say that, because it just kind of struck me how important it is to just know yourself. And, um, I, I, I don't think you can remind that to yourself enough is to be yourself. Like, and to really like, and when people say that, like really hear that, like be yourself, mm-hmm. um, with all, with all the, the, the sort of, because, because honestly, what gets people to laugh is not, or to people to even like you is not to be, you know, Steve Carell or is not to be, you know, Matthew McConaughey or, Amy Schumer or something. It's it's really to be whoever you yeah. are, and I and 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 that is almost I think training in itself. 
Like that's part of training, like to, to, to actually find that you don't, you don't like even, and it happens every day that you're changing. So you're constantly kind of finding it and you're, and once you do find that voice, you'll yeah. know it, you'll know it, you'll know exactly what it is. Cause it doesn't feel like it, it actually gives you energy. It lights you up. It makes you jump out of bed, ready to get on stage. Like it, you know, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm t- I'm speaking to the choir right now with you, Casey. But I guess maybe not everyone else. Yeah. So. Yeah, when people ask me, but, oh, you know, who's your favorite comedian? Who are you trying to emanate? And it's like, my favorite comedian is Casey Whitaker. You know, yes. I don't. Yes. Yes, I'm influenced by you know, strong stand-ups, and of course, I have a few favorite alumni, but. I'm not trying to be those people. I'm trying to be Casey Whitaker. And you are. You are so <laughs> Casey Whitaker. And you're the No, no. And I, so if anyone, re- yeah. real quick, I think the, the, <laughs> the antidote to being less like uh, upset with how everyone's doing uh-huh. in their careers and comparing yourself the antidote, I think, is just being the most unique you because there's no competition right. anymore. Like, there's no competition then. If you're just the one, like Casey Whitaker, that's out there, then there is no, oh, I have to compete with this, yeah. you know, girl next door or this other ingenue yeah. character. It's just like, no, they didn't They didn't buy my product because they didn't like the th- product that I was right. offering. And that's right. okay. It's hard to swallow, like really hard to swallow. But I mean, we don't live in a, uh, uh, our system, just like the law system, justice system, our system for entertainment and who gets the job is so mm-hmm. flawed too, unfortunately. So you just kind of, like you said earlier, we keep saying, we have this game going on, like you <laughs> said earlier, but I love it. Um, this game of uh, sort of, like you said earlier, you can create your own stuff. You can create your own work and no one has to give you permission to do it. And I think the best way to find your voice is actually creating your own stuff because that's the best practice ever. Right. So, um, sorry, a little side tangent. I'm not actually sorry (laughs) at all about that because I think it was super valuable. I know you guys are all loving it. (laughs) Um, but I would love to uh, do a little scratch to the surface with some some quick yes, rapid fire shoot. questions, if you don't mind, Casey. And awesome, let's shoot. Let's shoot. <laughs> so, without further ado, let's do it. Um, what has improv taught you about empathy? There's room for everyone, and we are all necessary and needed to make it work. And differences are like What's more your- valuable than trying to be like somebody. Mm. That's amazing. And, and someone in the background probably had an opinion on that. I don't know if they could hear that at all. <laughs> um, but uh, what's uh, what's your worst habit? Uh, uh I mean, smoking. Mm. Don't tell my mom. I won't. 
<laughs> hopefully she does Hopefully she doesn't listen to this, though. I mean, if I've been honest this whole time, I might as well keep that going. Yeah, it's a, it's a very nice advice to have when you have a lot of stress. But Casey, we'll talk about our uh, our way of getting you off that okay. after the show. Um, if if you if you want to accept that in your life, because I do also think that um. Nobody is going to help themselves or no one's going to receive help until they're ready to get it. You know what I mean? So, so, um, but Hey, thank you for being honest about that. Cause that's a hard one for people nowadays. Cause smoking is so, it's almost taboo nowadays. Like, especially, especially in, in, in this sort of like this health, uh, conscientious that everyone is kind of going through. Um, but, uh, what do you love about people and what do you hate about people? Um, I mean, I love, I love people's laughter. I love helping somebody escape their day by coming to a show. Um, I love people's stories, you know, the year I took to write that play, it was as if there was this unspoken sign on my forehead that said, please tell me your truth. And people just would just naturally. And uh, it was so cool. It's just everybody's story is so great. And I like when people share their story and their truth with me. And then what I hate about people, um, yeah, um, I don't know. I know you got to dig deep. I don't know. People with power trips, I mean, just being on this ship recently, there were so many times where people were just acting a certain way because they could as opposed to yeah being decent human beings i'm sorry i i cringe when i ask that question like because i know it's not a question that people want to answer but i think it helps people feel uh because this whole show is about again people feeling less alone. And I think when people become aware of maybe the way that they could be around their, their cohorts or their peers, and they're not having the relationship in their life that they wish they had. Um, it's because maybe you have some qualities like this in life where you're on that power struggle every now and then, or you're, you know, on that sort of like, yeah. there's, a, there's, there's always a right way and a wrong way to say things. And so, yeah, with that, just being said, um, you know, if you're, a person that may have some power and actually um, maybe uh, maybe you can step off right. your high horse. I don't know. Maybe you don't even have, no, maybe you don't even believe right. you're on your high horse, but uh, that's the weird paradox of it all. So it's hard to give any insight onto yeah. that uh, topic at all. Treat others the way you want to be treated. I mean, Okay, can I just say that? Is that going to be your favorite quote? Because I was going to ask, what's your favorite quote? <laughs> I think it is today. It's just like this idea that 
we we all have to treat each other better. <laughs> or like, you know, mm. as, as small as I'm going to tip the Starbucks guy, you know, two or three bucks, even though I'm never going to come to the Starbucks again because I'm just visiting for the day. It's like doing those little things, treat, write somebody a note, like tell them that you, you're thankful that they say hi to you in the hall. Like just, and then that's that love, whether it's in a note or not, it will come back to you somehow, someday. If you just treat people with respect. That is, that is such a life hack. Like it, it really is like, there's everyone that I see that's like doing it, like really, like really, really profound, like making, making the, you know, the title role for the play and stuff. Every time I meet that person, I usually go, wow, they are just so kind Mm -hmm. and so feel give. give give that it's no wonder it's no wonder why they're successful and really good at this is because uh they don't believe that they're they're not on any mission other than to be kind and give to others and that's that's a a, just to let people know that don't feel like they're giving a lot and they're not it's a training point you got to put on your own oxygen mask before you help anyone else so um you know that's a sort of it's just a Gosh, I do these side tangents, but you, you, everyone, like you, you really make my brain run. So thank you. Um, but anyways, uh, what's one superpower that Casey Whitaker has that people don't know about? Uh, um, a superpower. You have so many. Don't even think about this. I think of, like Don't I'm even. trying too uh-uh. hard to think of like I can read minds, which that's not. I'm like taking <laughs> it too literal. Um, I don't know. I just want to connect. Mm. I think my superpower for the last year or so has been just staying open to other people, to their story, to life and whatever it brings. Like just, you know, we always talk about it in improv. Just being open to whatever is going to happen. But like, I think this year I'm actually truly open. Where you're not just saying it, you're living it. That's so huge, and that's so. It, so, what? What? Real, real quick. Do you mind if I ask you, like, what? When was the last time you were really open to something? <sighs> um, well, okay. So this past week, um, I. I was on that last week of that ship contract and I think I stayed open to my own integrity and gut and I maybe acted 
in a way that I maybe wouldn't if I wasn't in tune. Um, I actually wrote a little bit of a journal entry about it. Do you mind if I read it? It's not too long. Okay. Yeah, go for it. Um, the title is Feminist. Tonight, I yelled at a teenage boy in front of my boss on a cruise ship. Let me explain. For the last 16 weeks, I've been a part of a show on board. I'm not going to say the cruise line, but it's NCL. Called Dance Clash. In the show, crew staff dances with passengers, and it's like Dancing with the Stars knockoff. At first, I really loved the show. The quirky passengers dancing to Baby Got Back with a Stranger was hilarious and endearing. But tonight, it was just crude and horrifying. A male crew staff member was paired with a very young teenage girl, and he did his usual bits like pretending to slap his partner and pull her hair. And tonight, he went so far as to pretend to fuck her under a bloody sheet he had pulled from backstage. To say I was appalled is an understatement. Here I am, a judge, after my last project being putting up my play about violence against women, and I'm supposed to sit at the table and smile? No. I verbally and physically was uncomfortable and non-supportive of the said couple, even though they were the audience favorite. Casey two years ago would have kept her mouth shut, but Casey now refused to back down. To continue my story, after the show, I left the stage to booze from the audience and a teenage boy taunting me by repeating the F word to me over and over. Feminist, feminist, and so on. So, without giving much thought to where I was at work, I spun around and said, Do you have something you want to say to me besides screaming feminist at me like it's a negative thing? I said this because I wanted to stand up for myself and I felt unsafe and backed into a corner. I also said it because the entire show for weeks and the worst on this particular night was demeaning to women and to, to this young girl, and I had had enough. I also said it because I had two days left on my contract, and I subconsciously didn't really care about the repercussions. I said it so quickly that I didn't even register how old this person was. I said it because the image of 700 people cheering for the fake rape dance still rung in my ears. Today is November 10th, about a year after the biggest misogynist took the White House. I said it because my female 25-year-old castmate was also judging the competition with me and was affected, and I wanted to set a good example. I said it because there were kids in the audience, and I watched their faces as they watched violence. I said it because... The other crew members in the show, who I had become close with, couldn't, because they needed their jobs. I am in some shit, and I don't regret what I did. I am happy it ignited a conversation about the integrity, or lack thereof, this form of entertainment had enlisted. I hope people complain, not about the feminist judge, but about the way a young girl was treated tonight. I hope I continue to stand up for what I believe. I hope other men and women do too. I hope you do, so that one day we never have to hear on the news again about a man shooting up a church in Texas with a domestic violence background that the government overlooked, just as our country continues to overlook this issue. One in three. We have to change, and maybe we can start with that kid with the fucking braces.
that's thank you for sharing that that's that was um yeah that was a lot yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of things um but i want to just say that it, I, i'm not talking at anybody specifically but I, i'm going to say this to myself as i as i kind of talk to some people <laughs> hopefully that when you listen to that um just feel the sheer vulnerability and rawness that it takes for someone to share their art and that's why art is so hard is because when it's really really good it's really 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 personal <laughs> and so um that was a, a, an example of something that was really 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 personal to Casey and I know that wasn't easy, so, um, gosh, yeah. thank you for doing that. Thank you for listening. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm trying to do improv <laughs> even though I'm not going to school for it anymore. Um, so I'd like to just do a few, few more Great. questions yes. and we'll wrap it up. What? advice would you give your teenage self don't change a thing i think oh gosh i was such i mean maybe the only thing i would change would be like stop trying to follow the rules so much like i was always such a good kid um and i was always so worried about yeah fitting in and following the rules so don't do that all the time <laughs> don't do that all the time like be a good person uh, but like um, don't kill yourself trying to always I don't know you can break a rule here and there yeah people should learn the rules yes. only to break them later but then again I hate the word should so <laughs> I'm breaking uh rule that I, I I have for myself is giving too much advice to people and I think advice is, is great but um, if you're learning from only advice you're doing something wrong you really gotta learn by your own failures and trials and experiences and uh, life is an experiment on that note I'd like to go yes. to the next question <laughs> uh, what is Casey Whitaker's spirit animal? Uh, um, I don't know. I don't really like animals. Um, I think. <laughs> Good. That um, I think it's like a <laughs> ghost with lipstick on. That is the most unique answer I've ever gotten, but I love it. <laughs> it's very specific. <laughs> it's very specific. I love it. Um, there's a little training in anybody's improv career. If they haven't started yes, yet, be specific. Yes, money. Uh, yes, it is. So true. Uh, so, uh, yes. all right, two more questions. 
what is what is something that you think about a lot that you kind of wish you didn't think about? Um, sometimes I think about like what I would do if I got a phone call that like one of my family members died. Like my parents are both healthy, but I think about a lot like what would I move back? Would I, if it was my dad, would I live with my mom? How would I help? And then like, they're perfectly fine. But I don't know. Sometimes I think about that or like if all, like if my mom, dad and sister are all going somewhere together, like what would I do if like they got in an accident or I don't know. I, I have some dark thoughts like that sometimes. No, I, I only ask the question just because, again, to make the yeah. people feel less alone. Like, really? That's the, that's the itch that I'm scratching right now in my life is like, I don't want to feel... I, like, I really like doing lonely work because I know that's what's moving the needle forward. Like, as far as, like, mm-hmm. editing podcasts and doing this art where... I mean, that's the hardest part about... For, for anybody to do their own art and actually like create something is like, it's a lot of alone work. And I think artists, entrepreneurs, uh, people that are not even just doing that yet, but they want to get away from their nine to five to just feel less alone is just such a gift. And so thank you for sharing that like right there. And then like the idea of, of just everyone's scared about losing their parents and when they're gone, they're gone. But Hey, I'll let you know this there's no reason to worry about it because all you can do is worry about the moment yeah. that you have right now. So, uh, and then, Hey, mm-hmm. uh, last but not least, um, all right, Casey. So you have three minutes to record something for your family, oh. your friends, your loved ones, and you can share this with them and the rest of the world. And this message is going to reach them. Whenever they say Casey Whitaker, this message is going to be softly spoken into their ears. What would it be? Um, I would say thank you for always being on my team, even though sometimes it's easier for me to push them away or not always answer the calls because we're always so far apart and it's easier sometimes to just see you at Thanksgiving and kind of keep you in your own compartment. And, but they're always so great and so nice and so supportive about the work I'm trying to do. And so I guess I'd just say thanks for supporting me from afar and yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. That is, um, that's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's end this out on a happy note. What's a, what's a, um, I mean, that's very happy, but a different happy. What's a itch that you're excited to scratch? You can, cause I believe that curiosity is the direct Drano, Drano to, uh, curing 
depression or anxiety or ADHD or addiction? What is a curiosity that you are excited to um, I'm excited to see what happens when I move across the country to LA in a few months. Um, I got into this like workout kick when I was on the ship. Um, so I'm excited to see if I can keep it up in real life and see how much more um, my body can change. And this, this newfound control I found like over like wanting to work out and like feel good and healthy and um, yeah. See if that can continue. I'm curious to see like how much harder and farther I can go. I mean, I never had even tried running and now I'm going to do a 5k um, in December. And um, it's just kind of a, I never really put my physical self first. So I'm excited to see what will happen. Um, to just put some self-love into my physical self as well as my emotional. That's amazing. That's amazing. Guys, that is amazing. Someone that is as busy as this woman is, is, is picking up that exercise is important. And, um, and it is, it really is. It makes you feel better. It's hard to do it at first, but once momentum rolls in, it's it's good it's good to go uh and it it helps i think everything your relationships your your art your your own health obviously um so yeah yeah thank Uh, you thank you casey for sharing that with us uh so yeah like let's uh definitely connect and hopefully you can come back on the show with any new projects or anything that you're uh, working on if um, people heard this this story today and they connect with it and they just want to reach out and you know like if you guys heard any quotes today or any any part of the show that you feel that is is quotable uh, and you want to share it on Twitter Facebook Instagram please do it please please do it because these quotes they go on to the ethos and then you'll actually start taking action on these little uh, pieces of of wisdom. Uh, that you, you gather and and honestly they will start becoming true in your life like they will uh it happened to me it's it's a little life hack that i started using i just i would listen to podcasts and i heard a quote from it and i would just put it out there on my status and i'd feel good about it and remind me about you know when things are kind of going bad I, oh yeah so i would take a quote you know, that I, I listen to on a podcast. So with that being said, uh, if anyone wants to reach you though, Casey, where can they um, find I'm you? I'm on Facebook. And then my Instagram is at Bitaker, B-I-T-A-K-E-R, like a comedy bit and my last name, Bitaker. Um, I don't really do Twitter. So yeah, Instagram or Facebook is the best way. Nice. All right. Well, I'll add those in the show notes. So if anybody um, didn't oh, write yeah, that I down. Oh, yeah. my website, um, caseywhitaker.com. It's just my full name um, spelled out. With, and With a C. Uh, yes. C-A-S-E-Y. And I have all my projects on there. Um, I just... I filmed a 12 episode web series while we were on the cruise ship so um those episodes are up and on the website 
I put up last week. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of videos and my schedule and stuff. So all things Whitaker are there. <laughs> all things Casey Whitaker are at CaseyWhitaker.com. Alright guys, well there's another episode of Scratch Your Own Itch with Casey Whitaker and I. Thank you so much to sticking to the end and listening in on the show and just by listening really supports it. But if you want to go above and beyond um, because you find this show impactful, inspirational, as well as making you feel a little less alone, I would really appreciate a review and click that subscribe button. That will give you access to every new show that comes out. This show means the world to me, and I mean that. Um, I'm just deeply, deeply curious on why someone that has a bunch of success can still have suicidal thoughts. And I believe that I can end this trauma or at least come close to touching 10 million people by just making people more aware that we all have these thoughts and we think about them a lot and we need to talk about them more. But if you leave a review, I would love to read it out on the show. I recently got a review from Beagle Nation in which they said, Love this show. I love the purpose and the mission of this show, and Logan does a great job at asking questions of his guests. It is very clear that he cares about helping people. Great stuff. Beagle Nation, thank you so much. I don't want to say that you're a girl or a guy. I'm not sure, but thank you so much for leaving a review. It means so much to me, and please head over to LoganTylerNelson.com if you want to see more of the stuff that I'm putting out there into the world to try to make people feel less alone. So, with that being said, though, you matter and you're enough.